2: All right, you guys, we recently did an episode entitled WTF, um, what the fuck is gut health, with Low Bosworth, and we had such amazing feedback from you guys on the topic of gut health. Why are we so bloated? That is always and will be the million-dollar question. I
0: could probably ask that question right now.
2: We have learned about gut health, what it is, so we thought we'd do a part two on all things gut health, and we are so lucky Have the one and only Dr. Megan Rossi, aka the Gut Health Doctor. She's based out of London. She is originally from Australia. She's a certified gut health dietitian and researcher. And what we love about her, she's all about evidence based is her approach. She debunks myths. She gives fad free advice, and she's going to let us know. Are you going to love this, guys? Why she'd never cut carbs. She's a wealth of knowledge. Megan, we are so happy you're here. We have literally, like, we have so many notes. What made you become, like, a gut health expert? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things you could go into. And, and how did you pick the gut?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the gut obviously isn't the most sexy of topics. Historically, it wasn't back, you know, a decade ago when I first got into it. But I guess if we rewind, I, I grew up on a farm in Australia where good gut health was inherent to my upbringing, you know, playing in the dirt, eating fresh fruit and veg, but actually, my first conscious encounter with the gut wasn't, wasn't a positive one. It was in my final year studying nutrition and dietetics. And sadly, I lost my grandma to bowel cancer. And I was really close to my grandma. She had a big part of my upbringing. And I, I just hated the gut for putting her through the chemo, the surgery, and then taking her life. But it was actually after I graduated as a dietitian, was seeing people in the hospital setting. So people with different cancers, uh, mental health issues. You know, weight management issues, but also I was very fortunate to be the dietitian for the Australian Olympic synchronized swimming team. And do you know what I found so striking is that no matter who these people were, whether they had, you know, cancer or were elite athletes, they're all coming to me complaining of the gut. And I thought to myself, God, what is it about this bloody organ? Like it's haunting me. And I was like, yes, I got my grandma had gut symptoms because she had, you know, the disease in her gut, but why are all these other people complaining of the gut? And It was 2010, so not a whole lot of gut health research had really come to the forefront. So I said, you know what, I owe it to my grandma and to my patients to find out more about this this organ. So that's when I embarked on a PhD. I wanted to understand whether we nourish the gut through the right nutrition, whether that in turn can improve the health of other organs. And it was that three-year PhD that literally changed everything for me. It became strikingly clear that actually, if we nourish the gut and looked after it, it could you know improve our lives in very real and often surprising ways but hey if we neglect it and don't look after it it can be hugely damaging so essentially it was that kind of journey that got me thinking wow, this this isn't just a trend. This is a landmark scientific discovery. It's, it's changing what it means to be human. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about exactly what gut health is.
2: We did a crash course, and that's why it's kind of a part two on gut health. And we learned that our gut communicates with every part of our body, our brain, our heart, our liver. Today, I really want you kind of to expand on what we've learned. Our gut is so, so important. What tips do you have that, we can take home and make the most of out of how to improve our gut overall health.
1: Yeah, look, now when it comes to everyone's gut, they're kind of on a different journey because some people may be struggling with gut symptoms. Like 30% of people are struggling with gut symptoms. Well, like tell us a few. Tell
2: us a few gut symptoms.
1: Yeah, like bloating, constipation. I mean, a lot of people don't want to admit it, but about 20% of females in particular struggle with constipation. And, you know, in the UK, actually, constipation costs the government like hundreds of millions of pounds each and every year. And I'm sure it's the same in the US because it can get quite severe when people don't realize how important it is to move their bowels regularly. Then there's things like reflux that can cause upset. And then there's irritable bowel syndromes. So there's so many different areas where, you know, people can have these gut symptoms. But, you know, when it comes to gut health, it's not just about gut symptoms. As you've highlighted, Gut, our gut is linked to pretty much every organ in the human body. So I think one of the, the key things I love people to do is to get a better idea of where their gut health currently is. So if you guys have some show notes, I'll share with you this 10-question assessment that I developed when I was writing um, Love Your Gut. And what it does is helps people grade their gut health on a scale of zero to 20 by asking them 10 different questions. So yes, it asks you about gut symptoms, but also things like, Are you chronically stressed? How often do you get sick? Are you on a restrictive diet? And go through other areas that we know really have a huge impact on our gut health. And then it's based on that kind of initial assessment that you can then better have an idea of where you should really focus your attention. So should it actually be on getting on top of the gut symptoms to start with? Or actually, should it be on looking at more of like your sleep habits? Because we know that our sleep can have a really impactful uh, effect on our gut. Because one how I, many hours re- do you re-
2: how many hours do you recommend for someone to sleep?
1: Yes, between 7 to 9 hours is the recommendation. And there is quite a large variation on that and that just comes down to the genetics. But I see in clinic all the time, you know, these high flyers who are running on 5 hours of of sleep and um, they come to me and like I just don't know why I used to be able to fly by on 5 hours and now, you know, I'm in my 40s and I'm just feeling tired all the time. And that's because our our body is amazing at pushing through. It produces, you know, the hormones, adrenaline, the cortisol, all that sort of stuff to push through. Uh, But actually, it comes to a point where that ongoing rush of, of hormones can have a real huge impact on our gut health. And that then prevents things like our cell regeneration to be as efficient and then that fatigue coming into play.
2: You guys know how much I will always, I will always love me some heels, some chic heels. I do. I love them. But probably about two years ago, Emisha and I came across a company called Rothy's. I got a text from a woman named Ashley Margolis. And if you know Ashley here in LA, she runs a company called The A-List. And she was like, I have the most comfortable, sick, chic shoe that you want. That was literally two years ago. I and Emisha, we both have been wearing the Rothy's flats pretty much nonstop. I mean, we'll put on heels and then we'll change into our Rothy's. You guys have been asking me lately. I've been talking like a little bit of like, I have my bunions. I have like problems with my feet because I'm always standing and with my back, but my shoes still look beautiful. And they have a pair called the point. It's like the ballet point. points, kind of like a deep V. They come in a crew, black, super chic. They come in a ton of colors now they've just launched the new driving shoe. It's has shearling with or without in every color. They're just super comfortable, but they're comfortable and chic. They literally have just launched men's, which if you guys know, finding great men's shoes that you don't have to pay thousands of dollars for and that are comfortable, it's really hard to do. My husband is obsessed with their loafers and they just, they look cool. They're versatile. They come in patterns, white. They have sneakers. They have slip-on sneakers. They have the ones that where you tie up. They're like so cool. We're back in session, school, fall, holiday. We're super excited because it's a little bit of a rare opportunity for our listeners for a limited time right now. We got you guys $20 off your first purchase at Rothy's, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash lipstick. And You guys can check them out on my website as well. We always pick them as like one of our favorite shoes. Remember, it's rothys.com slash lipstick. You guys are going to get $20 off your first purchase. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash lipstick. Head to rothys.com slash lipstick to find your new favorites. I promise you guys, you're going to be obsessed. You can keep your heels. You're going to want to wear your flats more, your tennis or your driving lovers relationships are hard and that's why I'm here. Hey friend, it's Kimmy Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, Bestie.
0: So one of the biggest things about gut health often is, you know, probiotics, do or don't, you know, fermented foods, do or don't. So I think a lot of listeners would love to know your thoughts on probiotics and prebiotics and, and, prebiotics and kimchi or, or any of that. So, so you know, let's, let's dive into that.
1: Yeah, you've hit all the P words. You've got the probiotics, yeah, which is the live bacteria. Often they come in capsules. Uh, then we've got the prebiotics, which essentially is the food for the bacteria. So that's that's found essentially in all our plant-based foods. And then we have another, the other one called postbiotics, and that's actually what you get in fermented food. So postbiotics essentially is bypassing the bacteria stage and is looking at the chemicals that the bacteria are actually producing. So some of you may potentially have heard of things like short-chain fatty acids, like butyrate. That is called mm-hmm. a postbiotic because it's like the product the bacteria has produced. So in fermented foods, they contain those postbiotics. So let's go with pre uh, probiotics <laughs> to start with. So probiotics, you hear it in the media all the time. One week they're telling us, everyone, get probiotics into you. The next week they're like, oh, don't waste your money. Like, they don't work. There is so much confusion out there and it comes down to the fact that probiotics are just hugely misunderstood. So one example is, you know, if you have iron deficiency, you're not going to go and take a vitamin D supplement and expect your iron deficiency to improve, are you? They're different vitamins. The same goes with probiotics. There's literally thousands of different types of bacteria that form these probiotics and each individual type of bacteria does different things. Uh, And that's why when I was writing Love Your Gut, what I did is got my research colleagues from King's College in London to review all of the evidence and find out what areas there was really good scientific evidence to take a specific probiotic. And we developed this table, which is a probiotic prescription table. And there's really seven good, strong areas of research that indicates it's actually worth taking a probiotic. So one example is if you have to go on antibiotics for whatever reason there's really good evidence to take a specific probiotic. Uh, and one of those probiotics is called Lactobacillus rhamnosus GG. You would take that at 5 billion units twice a day, every day throughout your antibiotic period and for a week after. Now, people what? listening probably like, oh my God, what, I need a pen, ah! free. Oh, no, don't about worry.
2: It. Everything you're everything you're saying, we're gonna we're gonna have a <laughs> Molly It's gonna be every supplement you ever will list will live there. So don't worry. We we've yeah. got you.
1: So that's the way we need to be with probiotics if we want their therapeutic benefit. We have to be very prescriptive. So you know when I talk about the type of bacteria you need, I talk about the the dosing you need to take it at, I talk about the duration, and I talk about how long you need to take it for, and also how you should take it, whether it should be with food or an empty stomach. And that's because each different bacteria has different skills. They work in different ways. So we need to be very specific in that in that role. So generally speaking, if you're healthy, then there's really no need to take a probiotic capsule. There is good evidence, actually, though, if you are like coming into the flu season and you're likely to get the common cold, then there's good evidence to take a specific one there. So The probiotics, I think, hopefully that's busted some myths around. It's very specific. But generally, you know, you don't need to go on, you know, any from the the supermarket. You need to just make sure if you've got a special, a specific condition that you want to manage, you, you find out whether there's good evidence and then you take that prescription.
2: Do you do that for kids really quickly back to probiotics? Like if you've had to put your child on an antibiotic, would you recommend, I know you're not a doctor, but... And anything we say here is just advice. It's not, n- nothing is set in stone. We're not doctors.
1: <laughs> absolutely. So it's not at the clinic all the time. So if a child has to go on a probiotic, um, sorry, on an a- antibiotic, then again, there's really good evidence to take the specific probiotic. And another type is called Saccharomyces boulardii. So absolutely with kids. And also even, because I actually have just had birth five months ago now, so that feels Quite, quite a long time ago, but little Archie, uh, I certainly uh, have been using probiotics for specific areas. So for example, he's just started at, you know, kindy and there's good evidence to take a specific probiotic to reduce getting the common cold now that he's going you to know, play. I need that. The, yeah. So again, it's about, you know, appreciating probiotics are hugely powerful, but you have to use them right. Uh, and I think that's where there's that been that misinformation, which I'm I'm so passionate about breaking because it, you know, gut health clearly is an area that I'm so passionate about because the science Is so strong, but it just gets misrepresented and then people don't really get the benefit, the full power of their
0: gut. I have a question actually about that because my youngest gets very constipated. She's two and a half. I mean, to the point where she would, you know, it would be two or three days before she could go to the bathroom. And I was told Mm -hmm. to put her on a probiotic. And it was almost like clockwork. Seven days of her being on the daily probiotic, she started going to the bathroom regularly. I mean, it was to the day, a week. It was just, and we by accident forgot to give it to her. I just was an assumption in the household that one of us had given it to her. And then she got backed up again and actually ended up in the ER because she was in so much pain and we didn't realize what it was. But would you recommend that? I mean, is that another reason for for probiotics to be able to consistently go to the bathroom?
1: Yeah. Out of those seven indications, constipation is one of them where there is good evidence to take that specific probiotic. And that's a type of bifidobacteria, um, which is the bacteria name. But also when it comes to constipation, it's such a complex condition, even though it's so common, there's, there's so many different things that cause it. So when I wrote... Uh, love you guys. I'm sure you guys can absolutely share this. There's a flow diagram which helps people work their way through constipation and get a better idea of which strategy, which evidence based strategy works for them. So, for example, some people, it's literally as simple as getting more fluid in, getting more fiber. So, you tick that off. If you're already doing that, that hasn't worked for you, then you won't move on to the second line strategy. The second line strategy is looking at a type of fibre called psyllium husk. And they give the, the prescription of that, you know, it's super cheap, get it most health food stores. If that doesn't work for you, then you move on to another type. There is good evidence for having two kiwi fruit a day and you move your way through the different strategies. But then also for some people, actually it's not about diet, it's literally the positioning of their self on the toilet and their pooping technique and all of that sort of stuff. So I talk you through this flow diagram, literally like I would seeing someone in clinic to help you know really personalize the strategies because everyone's gut is different. I love you. I
2: mean, okay, so, okay, we got probiotics. Now we have constipation. Um, But take it back to prebiotics.
1: Yeah. So prebiotics is the food for the good bacteria. Now, most prebiotics are types of dietary fiber. So a lot of people have heard the word dietary fiber. Essentially, it's the backbone of all our plant-based foods. Now, when we say the word fiber— you know, it's something we're certainly not getting enough of. In the US, people are getting less than twenty grams uh, a day. We know we need much more than that. In fact, some studies have shown for mental health benefits, we need fifty grams of fiber a day. Uh, but that shouldn't come from just a fiber supplement. We know there's close to a hundred different types of fiber, and one of those categories of fiber is called the prebiotics. And in in the book, I do give a little table of all the different prebiotic foods out there, but. Instead of people necessarily fixating on it, if you're having what I recommend, 30 different types of plant-based foods a week, so things like your different whole grains, your nuts, your seeds, your legumes, your fruit and your veg, you're actually going to be getting in plenty of prebiotics. Now, in my clinical practice, there are some indications where I would recommend a specific prebiotic supplement, uh, but that is very much um, on an individual level and not that common. The average person, absolutely, you can get your prebiotics from whole foods and they contain another P word called polyphenols. Uh, Essentially, that's another type of nutrient that feed the gut bacteria. So going whole foods for your prebiotics is really going to get you your your biggest bang for your buck. Um, And then the postbiotics, so things like your fermented foods, so your kimchi, your sauerkraut, your kombuchas, your kefirs, all the different amazing traditionally fermented foods. So we call them fermented because essentially the bacteria take a base product. So one example is like kefir, uh, dairy kefir. They take cow's milk or goat's milk or whatever, sheep's milk and animal's milk, and you add some live bacteria and yeast to it. And the bacteria and yeast start to break down the milk sugars, and when they do that, the milk sugar is called lactose. When they break down the milk, sh- milk sugars, they produce these amazing chemicals called those short-chain fatty acids and different type of acids, which we are believed to have health benefits. So when it comes to, I guess, the scientific evidence, because remember, you know, I'm a scientist by background. My research team at King's actually reviewed all the evidence out there for fermented, traditional fermented foods. And Although there was so many test tube studies suggesting benefits for mental health, heart health, reduction in cancer risk, actually there wasn't any human studies suggesting health benefit. Now, that wasn't because the studies were all negative. It's literally because the studies hadn't been done. So I guess my advice when it comes to fermented foods is that absolutely great to include in your diet. I mean, they taste delicious as well, but a lot of people, you know, aren't ready to have them in their diet or don't enjoy the flavor. And why I say, you know, you can still absolutely have good gut health without these fermented foods. They're nice to have, but don't think, you know, you, you're you going to ruin your gut health by not having them. It's all about, I think, slowly adding them and dabbling in them is a kind of a fun way to approach them rather than saying, I have to have my kombucha every single day because actually you can get gut health nutrients from your your plant-based foods and you don't necessarily need the kombucha.
0: I actually have a question and this is one that we, we don't have on here, but it was a conversation I had with a mom friend of mine and she went to a doctor who said that gut health actually affects fertility. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, look, when I was uh, writing my, my second book, um, I looked into all of these different axes. So we've got the gut-skin axis, so the two-way communication between our gut and our skin, our gut metabolism axis, so things like weight management and our gut, then also gut hormone axis. And it is just incredibly fascinating to know that our gut bacteria actually help regulate estrogen levels. Mm-hmm. And they certainly have been shown to to help. So when we, when we produce the estrogen, they can help recycle the estrogen in our gut that then gets into our blood. They have this special enzyme to help uh, recycle that estrogen. So we certainly know in a lot of um, hormone-related conditions um, that, including fertility, that our gut bacteria can potentially have some role, especially things like the menopause. We know there's actually quite a lot, a lot of good evidence for that. When it comes to the fertility, I see patients in clinic and what I say is I don't want to overpromise. I mean, mm-hmm. in such early stages, I don't want people to be go down this path of being kind of fooled in by, you know, some kind of scandalous people out there saying, look, take all these gut healthy products and I'm going to get you pregnant because we just don't have the evidence yeah. of that. What I say is, hey, why don't we start really nourishing your gut bacteria with heaps of different plant by dirt diversity, but also things like, we know, omega-3s is really helpful for gut health, which actually come from oily fish and many other sorts of, you know, the the fermented dairy, which is a great source of calcium and all that sort of stuff. Try them in your diet and then see how you go rather than, you know, taking, yeah, all those supplements. I think we're not there yet for fertility. I recently, you guys, posted a picture of
2: my holiday pajamas on my story, and you guys, all oh, my followers, went crazy. You guys know I'm obsessed with the print, and you guys know Emish and I are obsessed with PJ's travel at leisure, but we got so much feedback. So I wanted to share with you guys because I got you guys a little bit of a deal. It's called Print Fresh. They have a PJ brand. And I was so excited when they reached out because I literally got so many of you guys DMing us that I wanted to try to get this. They have sizes ranging from extra small, petite to six times, free, fast shipping. They are amazing. It was started by a woman textile designer sustainability, inclusivity. The PJs are so good. I am obsessed with their prints. They have eye masks, they have bags, but it's the prints, the PJs that we really are, we love. They're 100% cotton, lightweight, breathable. I literally have washed my a thousand times. And they just get softer with every wash. My kids (laughs) love me in them. And I love it because they really do have really rich, colorful, gorgeous patterns, polka dots, stripes, animals, fruits. I love them. So I wanted to reach out. You guys are going to be obsessed. Nothing says the holidays like some themed PJs here at the Super Household Holiday Pajamas and at the Gormley household, we really do. We get into our pajama look. We love a Liberty print. Even if the kids hate me, I literally make us all dress alike. Print Fresh PJs are the perfect gift for the season. You guys are going to love them. we got a great um, exclusive discount for all of our listeners. So head over to printfresh.com. That's P-R-I-N-T-F-R-E-S-H.com and use code lipstick for 15% off your first order. That's printfresh.com dot com, P-R-I-N-T-F-R-E-S-H dot com and use code lipstick for 15% off your first order. You guys are gonna love them. We love them and you can travel with them. Like it's they're fun, they're beautiful, and they're super chic and it makes the the best gift. So you spoke about gut health fertility, gut health metabolism. Let's talk a little bit about metabolism, trying to lose weight. I recently read in in Daily Mail a piece that you did that The title is called Why I'd Never Cut Carbs. You also say you don't believe in colon cleanses, you don't do keto, and you also say don't cut out whole grains. Do you mind kind of debunking these myths? Because that's why we really wanted to track you down in London and thank you. I know it's so many hours time difference for doing this, but you're really debunking these myths and we're getting p- different people's advice. And we found that fascinating, that like, why I'd never cut carbs. Everybody says cut carbs.
1: Yeah, look, because there is just so much myths out there. And then if you actually looked at the hard core science, the science that, you know, has been tested in hundreds of thousands of people, they show that people who include Whole grains in their diet, things like your quinoa, your buckwheat, your wheat berries, the real actual whole grains actually have much better health outcomes, also including weight management in the long term. So, one of the things about carbs, carbohydrates, is actually one of the key types is dietary fiber. So, like I mentioned before, dietary fiber is the backbone of all our plant based foods. So, the thing about dietary fiber, which is a type of carbohydrate, so it's a type of carb, actually, when we eat it, It goes through, so we've our gut, you may have already covered this in your your first gut health talk, it's nine metres long. Um, So we've got nine metres of digestive tract coiled up in each and every one of us. So along that nine metres is essentially gut health. And when we eat carbohydrates, specifically dietary fibres, they go through most of that digestive tract undigested because humans don't actually contain the enzymes to break down dietary fibre. Fibre is so important as being linked to all of these health benefits actually because it feeds the gut bacteria. So it gets to the lower part of that digestive tract where we have those trillions of bacteria and they then feast on that dietary fibre and produce a range of different chemicals, some of which are called those short-chain fatty acids. And it's those short-chain fatty acids that help regulate our appetite. And that's why having dietary fibre actually does keep us fuller for longer because it helps produce those chemicals, which help regulate our ghrelin and leptin hormones, uh, which are our appetite hormones. So there's such strong evidence that it shows that having whole grains in our diet, because they're such rich sources of different fibers, actually does keep us fuller for longer. Now I I'm- can't just
2: cut carbs completely.
1: Like, I can't.
2: No. Like, I can't do it. That's why I love the article, why I'd never completely cut carbs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not talking about, we know the average person is having too much refined carbs, like, you know, you know, processed bread and, you know, all these different cereal products. Absolutely. We need to reduce them. We need to replace them with the whole grain. So, you know, there is like close to a hundred different whole grains out there, yet we always return to refined wheat, corn and rice. But hey, guys, you know, go to your local supermarket. There's so many out there that's super affordable, you know, quinoa and buckwheat and millet and spelt and wheat berries and frica and taff. There's so many out there. They're so tasty as well. You guys need to, you know, get behind it, trying these different types, because the thing about these different types of fibers is that they feed different gut bacteria so if we're just having, and this is an explanation of people who say things like, oh, I'm on a keto diet, but I have loads of fiber. <laughs> and I say, okay, that that's great that you're having the fiber from maybe some of your veg, which is good. But the thing about fiber I touched on before is there's close to 100 different types, and each of them do different things. So if we're getting all our fiber from broccoli, then we're only feeding the bacteria that like broccoli. And we're missing out on the bacteria that like, the whole grain fiber, and the legume-based fiber. And those bacteria have different skills. They produce different hormones and different vitamins for our body to do all different things. So how many um, different so types think, of
0: bacteria are in my gut at the moment? Like on any given moment, how many billions, I would
1: guess, right? Yeah. So there's trillions of bacteria. And so I have to feed trillions <laughs> of bacteria as we were trying to tell. Trillions of bacteria. <laughs> And not to overwhelm you guys too much, but I think you're ready for it, to highlight that it's not just bacteria in our gut. We've got beneficial viruses, fungi such as yeast, and even parasites, which actually all work together to have this synergistic effect, this whole body effect. So when you hear that word, our gut microbiome, it's not just the bacteria, they are the majority, but actually they work with the viruses, the parasites, and the fungi to have this protective effect on our body. So, although, you know, obviously with COVID, there is so much fear around the word virus, you know, and these other microorganisms, rest assured the vast majority of microorganisms actually are there to look after us in our gut. So, that's where this whole, you know, hygiene hypothesis comes from, where, you know, if it's believed that historically when we're raising kids in a very hygienic you know environment you know washing their hands eight times a day sanitizing mm-hmm. everything that is thought to be one of the reasons why maybe the rates of allergies and um, immune disorders are on the rise uh, because of that because actually some of these microorganisms it's really important to um start to get into the body in in younger kids because they help train our immune system because 70% of our immune system lives in our gut. So the bacteria are so, so important, particularly in the first thousand days of life to train our immune system of what things to react to and what things are, you know, to say, "No, no, no, that's safe. For example, the protein and peanuts that's safe, you know, don't react to that. If you could
2: give us a few things, speaking of immunity, if you could suggest a few things that our listeners could take to strengthen our immunity. And I know there's a ton of different things, but like your top three to five, what would it be?
1: Yeah. So we certainly know that garlic is is really good. There's good evidence for garlic with immune health. And in fact, when you are cooking garlic, what you should do is cut it up and leave it for about 10 minutes because what that does is is transitions the beneficial chemical in garlic that's shown to be have immune benefits. It allows it to transition to the active form and then you ingest it. So try chop it up, leave it for 10 minutes while you're cooking something else or prepping it, so that's a really important one. Um, we know flavonoids is another really important. So this is a type of um, plant chemical group which is found in all our plant-based foods, particularly things like your berries, and things like your oranges, your tomatoes, all those sorts of things. So the flavonoids is another really important one. So if you're having you know, those 30 plant-based foods a week, you're probably going to be getting enough flavonoids. But really trying to get those bright-coloured berries and things like that to hit that, I think that's another really important. And then we certainly know that vitamin C can also help support our immune system because of their antioxidant powers. So things like, you know, not just your oranges, but your, you know, tomatoes, your peppers, Uh, are all really good sources of of that vitamin C.
2: I have to ask you this. So a day in the life of a gut health doctor, like, what do you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And what do you drink? Because you look phenomenal. And I know your insides (laughs) are probably even more phenomenal.
1: Well, to be honest, I mean, it's been a hard going with a five-month-year-old. Certainly, I'm not getting uh, my nine hours sleep like I used to. But you know what I've learned you can't be perfect in all domains. But when it comes to gut health there's really the four things to try focus on. We know there's the the diet, the sleep, the stress and the movement. So each of them independently impact our gut health. So just because you've got a perfect diet doesn't mean you've got great gut health if you're having crappy sleep, you're super stressed and you're not moving your body. So that's something to really keep in mind is all four areas. So in terms of my diet, I'm a little bit of a, a food nerd. I am a foodie by nature, essentially that was the reason why I became a dietitian. I've got Italian background on the farm, you know, it brought everyone together these amazing meals. So flavor is really important to me. So I actually prep my breakfast in the evening. So it's super easy. I make this overnight fermented oats. Recipes in the book, you guys share it widely. Um essentially, all you do is make, you know, your overnight oats. You may put in things like your oats your dates, mixed seeds, um, some mixed nuts, carrot, grated carrot in there to get extra fiber in there. And then I add my kefir. And the thing about kefir, like you guys know, it's a fermented food, contains live microbes. And what I do is then leave it on the bench. So at around, you know, 23 degrees. And what happens overnight while I'm sleeping, the bacteria are working their little butts off to transform those oats, the fibres in those oats, in the carrots, in the dates, the prebiotics all together, and they produce those different organic acids, which we uh, have linked with many different health benefits, as well as a range of different flavours. So bacteria are actually like foodies (laughs) as well, because things like soy sauce, olives, coffee, wine, chocolate, all of them actually involve bacteria in the fermentation process, in making all those foods. So all our most flavoursome foods in the world actually wouldn't exist if we didn't have bacteria. Yeah, so I, I, I
2: and drink all of those.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when it comes to my breakfast, I start at night, and literally it literally takes me three minutes to chuck everything in the jar, leave it out. The bacteria do the hard work. In the morning, you know, after about 12 eight to 12 hour ferment, it's ready to go. So I got my overnight fermented oats. So I have and just that. A, and
2: just a quick um, little note for our listeners. She actually developed a gut loving yogurt in 2020 with from bio and me, and she has her own granola, porridge, muesli, and also just interrupt you for one second. She also has an incredible book called eat yourself healthy, and it's an easy to digest guide. So there's some great recipes in here as well. But okay, keep going. We're ready for lunch. But I just wanted to make sure people can can know where to get things.
1: Thanks so much. Also, actually, though, in the US, Eat Yourself Healthy, for some reason, they've changed the name to Love Your Gut. So anyone out there listening, it's Love Your Gut. But essentially, it's the same thing. Although it's actually even better, I would say, because what we've done with Love Your Gut is include all of the gut health assessments in there in the book. So it's all in that one handy guide. So we'll definitely have to send you a copy if you don't already have that one.
2: Okay. So, okay, we have breakfast. Now, what is your lunch?
1: So I actually snack. And I know that's a real contentious kind of topic. (laughs) Uh, And I talk about this in the book because people always ask me, should I fast for gut health? And, you know, it, it very much is an individualized thing. I would say if you're struggling with constipation, then there's good evidence to actually stick just to the three meals a day and not fast. And that's because a fasting when you're in the fasted state, so after about 90 minutes of not eating, it helps your gut muscles kind of sweep things through. And if you're constipated, if you're snacking all the time, then you don't get that push through. But otherwise, you know, if you want to snack and you enjoy snacking and you're snacking on the right things, probably most importantly, then it's completely fine to snack. So I usually have, um, you know, a small handful of mixed nuts as a snack. Or I might have something if I'm feeling like a treat, or that's probably more in the evening. I have like a pre bite chocolate bark. It takes literally five minutes to make. It's just some white chocolate, which is literally so selfish, all to do with my taste buds. But I've made it prebiotic by adding in pistachios, dried mango, a little bit of extra virgin olive oil, and some dark chocolate drizzled on top. And like I said, it literally takes five minutes to make super, super easy. And what I've done is turned a very selfish food, i.e. white chocolate, into food that not only, you know, I'm still enjoying with my taste buds, but the bacteria also get some buzz out of. And that's the way I approach, you know, all my meals. So hmm. lunch after, after the snack, usually I make kind of just a throw together if it's leftover veg from the night before, add some smoked salmon on, might get some live yogurt to flavour that, a little bit of balsamic vinegar, also helps regulate blood sugars, balsamic vinegar, and then probably have some uh, sourdough bread. I love seeded sourdough; it's one of my favourites. So that's probably lunch. Afternoon tea might be something like some frozen berries uh, with yogurt, live yogurt. My live yogurt, by yogurt. But what I recommend is have the frozen berries and then chuck them in your yogurt, and actually you mix them really quickly, and it makes the yogurt freeze. So it's kind of like this fro Yeah, it's, it's really delicious. So My mouth
2: is watering.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: Frozen berries is where it's at. Then for dinner, you know, it can be anything. It can be one of my stir fries. If I've got a busy day where I get a literally a bag of mixed veg, chuck that in a, a can of mixed legumes, chuck that in, and then flavor it with something like, you know, soy sauce, garlic, a little bit of ginger, and then... You know, on the side, again, I might have, you know, a handful of wheat berries, which is a really like very textured type of grain. I love it. It's so it's so nutty to taste. So I kind of sprinkle that on top. And then for evening, I've got a bit of a sweet tooth. So that's when I probably have something like my pre baked chocolate bark, or I might have my chocolate black bean fudge brownies and all those sorts of things. I actually usually make once a month and then I freeze and then portion size them and put them in the freezer. So then, you know, I've got something ready to go instead of, you know, just getting that white chocolate bar or just, you know, snacking on, you know, a bowl of ice cream or something like that. It's all about kind of preparing uh, for those snack attacks.
2: Are you more plant-based? Are you more, do you do any meat, chicken or steak or bison
1: or anything like that? Yeah. Look, I love this question. And I I say that I am plant-based because when I think about the definition of plant-based, it means that the base of your diet is plants. But whatever you want to add on top of that is completely up to you. So I always say I'm plant-based, but not plants only, meaning that I'm, you know, really in love with plants, but I'm not anti-meat. So absolutely, you know, once a month or something, I'll have red meat. I usually eat that out because I I enjoy a really, you know, a well-cooked sort of steak. And then I I eat loads of fish. So I'd have fish probably three times a week, maybe chicken once or twice or turkey once or twice. So I absolutely eat animal products in there. And the truth of it is for health, you don't need to go 100% plant-based. I totally respect and understand the reasons for going 100% plant-based because of animal cruelty, religious reasons, cultural reasons, environmental reasons. But when it comes to health, the science uh, out there is saying you don't necessarily have to be plants only. In fact, we know that animal sources of things like omega-3, which is really important for gut health, skin health, brain health. Actually, it's very hard to get that on plant-only diets. So we know we can get a little bit from walnuts and, and tofu and chia seeds, but actually the type of omega-3 isn't as effective as that in oily fish. So I do recommend those who are 100% plant-based to actually take something like an algae oil supplement to get enough of your omega-3s uh, in your diet to feed to feed your body.
2: An algae oil supplement, okay.
1: Algae oil, yeah.
2: All right, so Emisha and I, well, actually, we're both wearing what I'm about to talk about right now native deodorants. Yes, I'm going to talk about it. We're going to talk about deodorant because she and I are both obsessed. She wears coconut and vanilla, and I promise you, it's amazing. We here at Lipstick on the Rim, we try so many different things. For the past, I mean, little while now, we've both been wearing native deodorant. It's natural, and it literally is the best natural deodorant of all the companies out there. It's formulated with coconut oil and shea butter and ingredients that you actually can pronounce. They never use aluminum, paraben, sulfates, and the deodorant still keeps you smelling amazing and fresh all day long. I'm so excited. They have their classic scents, but now they have a new rotating seasonal scent, candy cane, sugar cookie, fresh mistletoe. It's not just good for you. It's good for the planet. It's a deodorant that is made of 100% paperboard packaging, vegan, and they never test on animals. Look, we work all day long. We're running around. We're chasing after our children. And we literally can put native deodorant on in the morning, take our kids all day to the sports, head to meetings, and works and I know that sounds weird, but when people get this like thing about natural deodorant not working, this one works. I think you guys are gonna love it. We're so excited. You guys go to native That's native N A T I V E deodorant D E O D O R A N T dot com and use code lipstick. We got you guys 20% off your first purchase at checkout. That's N-A-T-A-V-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com native dot com slash lipstick for 20% off, nativedeodorant.com slash lipstick. I promise you, you guys are never going to go back. And they have a million scents. So I'm so excited. New scents. It's holiday. It's awesome. We have heard you talk about, scientifically speaking, about sugar and that it isn't oh. bad for your gut because— Yeah, <laughs>
0: we, we want to hear more about that for we, sure. <laughs> we just
2: want to hear, we, you eat white chocolate and we drink. Is drinking wine, is it bad? Is it good?
1: <laughs> Yeah, You'll be happy to know there is actually some scientific studies (laughs) out there suggesting that having a little bit of red wine actually helps increase the diversity of your gut bacteria, which is a good thing, which gives you more skills. And the reason for that is is that red wine contains these polyphenols. So I mentioned them before, these types of plant chemicals which feed the gut bacteria. But there's always a but, 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 (laughs) but. The benefits of red wine, probably if you have any more than 150 mils in one sitting, instead of them being anti-inflammatory, they can start being inflammatory. And that's Mm -hmm. because of the alcohol component. So wine contains these brilliant polyphenols but also contains alcohol. And the thing about when you have, you know, too much alcohol, so any more than, you know, one or two standard drinks, is actually it starts to make your gut lining a little bit leaky. So if you think of that nine-meter digestive tract as being quite like sharp like that. When you have alcohol, it makes it sort of open up. And that means that things that would normally stay in your gut and go through and and you poop out actually start to get into your body. Is there a
2: test that you can do for leaky gut?
1: There is. So at King's, uh, where I do a range of different clinical trials, we do measure leaky gut in some of our studies. But what that involves is this 24-hour urine test. So you have to collect all your urine for 24 hours and you have to have all of these different sugars at different times and that's the kind of gold standard for leaky gut. Now, there's companies out there that are saying they can measure leaky gut through, you know, single types of tests, but they're not valid. So we did this big review of trying to understand, you know, what outcomes we should do for our research and those sorts of like zonulin is one, there there is a little bit of kind of correlation with leaky gut, but it's not a very good measure of how leaky gut is. The other thing about leaky gut, really importantly, I know I'm going on a tangent, but it's it's a, probably uh, an interesting one for people, is that leaky gut is not a black and white diagnosis. In fact, we all get leaky gut from time to time. So if we have a high fat meal, our gut will get a little bit leaky, but it'll close back up. If we're nervous or anxious or stressed, our gut will get a little bit leaky, but then we take that away and it'll close back up. You know, if we go from, if we run a marathon, which is, you know. Hugely beneficial in some ways, actually get a very leaky gut. And that's why often people get very strong GI upset if they do a marathon and they're not prepared for it. So leaky gut, moral of the story is it's not a black and white diagnosis. It's about it's more of a symptom of something else going on. So for example, if you have celiac disease, you know, this autoimmune condition to gluten, you'll get a leaky gut. If you have gluten, take the gluten out of your diet, it'll close back up. So it's just how do you more feel about symptom. gluten overall? Gluten and dairy, how do you feel about it? So if Unless you've got celiac disease or you've got non-celiac gluten sensitivity, so it's a type of kind of intolerance, which celiac disease affects 1% of the population on average. Non-celiac gluten sensitivity is thought to affect anywhere between 2 and 6% of the population. So other than that, those people who it's best to, to restrict it, actually, the research suggests that including whole grains in your diet, including whole wheat sources, which include gluten, actually has been correlated with a lower risk of heart disease and a lower risk of type 2 diabetes and even a lower risk of breast cancer. Now, that's not to say that gluten is this hugely beneficial thing, but it's also not to say it's this hugely toxic thing. The thing about gluten is it's a protein that's in really beneficial things like your wheat berries and your frica. But if we're only having whole grains which contain wheat, then I think we're having excessive amounts in our diet. And that's where this diversity comes into play. So having foods that contain gluten is completely okay in moderation, but if we're eating only gluten-containing foods, like I think in the US, most people are having way too much refined wheat, therefore having way too much of the gluten, then that's probably not a good thing because they're not getting in that diversity. So when it comes to gluten, it's not this hard and fast devil because there's no human clinical trials out there suggesting, other than that small group of celiacs and those with non-celiac gluten sensitivity, where it's going to have huge damage. In a lot of people who who feel like they don't do well with wheat, it's probably this other thing called fructans, which I talk about all in the book, and it's more to do with IBS. I won't go down that track because we could be on this conversation. That's going to be a part two. But we do we do want to get to beauty yeah. because you're so yeah. beautiful.
2: Your skin is incredible. You have the most gorgeous long flowing blonde hair cuz I mom hair at the time. moment.
1: Sorry. Uh-huh. I love <laughs> I
2: love that though. Yeah. What what do you do? Do you do you love skincare? Do you love beauty? I mean, I know you take incredible care of yourself. What is your kind of like go-to skincare products? And you're also in London, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. So I think when it comes to my approach to skincare, it's really about nourishing your skin from the outside in. So we do know that things like your your flavonoids, your omega-3 from your diet really can improve your skin's appearance. And the thing about our skin, we literally have billions of bacteria on our skin. And this is called our skin microbiome. So like we've got a gut microbiome, we have this skin microbiome. And there's actually some really exciting research. So just as a disclosure, I'm working with Lancome at the moment, and they're doing really cool research looking at this product, which is got these prebiotics and product and postbiotics, so products from the bacteria, and they're looking at clinical trials, putting that on the skin, and whether that's improving things like our our skin's aging process. And I guess where this this area of research is really stemming from is that there's really a cool science that's shown that our skins our our skin microbiome is a better predictor of our, our age than our gut bacteria are. So we certainly are seeing this correlation between the bacteria on our skin and how our skin ages. Mm-hmm. So there is, yeah, really exciting research. I would just put a probably a disclosure. There are a lot of companies out there that just whack on pre-bikes and probikes on their skincare products and haven't really done the science. And again, that's kind of just jumping on this bandwagon. So I would always ask before you guys hand over your hard-earned cash, has there been a human clinical trial showing a benefit with this probiotic or skincare range? And if there has, then go for it. If there hasn't, you can still go for it if you want to, but just be a bit more careful that maybe it's not money well spent. You had us. You had us at
2: Lancome.
0: It's fine. There's used to be a an omega three oil from Sonia de Do you remember that? That mm-hmm. was like the holy grail product for a lot of people for a long time, and it was it smelled actually very fishy. I remember putting it on, but it was
2: like twenty years ago. I but think but she put, still has she the product. still
0: has the product. So I'm just I mean, interesting. But.
2: What's your favorite foundation?
1: I'm actually using Dior at the moment. I don't even know which type, but it's just its just got such a great matte feel. And I'm particularly, you know, with pregnancy, kind of skin breakouts and things like that, I've found that it hasn't kind of clogged my pores as other products had. So yeah, Dior all the way at the moment.
2: What's your favorite like serum or, or skincare? I know you're working with Lancome. Is there a favorite like moisturizer or cleanser?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I also... Use the Lancome Intense Moisturizer. I think mm-hmm. I really love the way like I wake up in the morning and your skin just feels so much more plump. Now I'm not a dermatologist, so this is just my own personal experience. And then I also Skinceuticals seem to have some really yeah, good they've got great products. products. We love.
2: I have hyperpigmentation. I love the C and the E, and it's so good. Yeah,
1: many many X or something have this new retinol for under your eye. That you know normal retinols you shouldn't have them during the day. But this new retinoid formation, actually, this is coming from dermatologists, not me, but I've read about it, heard about it. Um, you can wear it during the day. And I've been using that under my eyes, obviously not sleeping very well. And I found it really good. So I'm sure you guys are all on top of that. But I can send the link if, if not. This is so I mean, awesome. You're we so fascinating.
2: I, I, I want to come to London and meet you in person and go to your clinic. We do a little rapid fire here on Lipstick on the Rim. What is your best beauty advice? Nutrition.
0: Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite place to travel? Italy. What are you reading?
1: Nothing at the moment because I'm writing a book <laughs> and I don't, want my brain, <laughs> I don't want my brain contaminated with anything else.
2: <laughs> Biggest pet peeve?
1: Fad diets.
2: What time of day are you most productive? Evening. All-time favorite TV show?
1: Be super lame and say The Simpsons. I <laughs>
2: ah, love it. Who do you look to or for for opinions on all things beauty and wellness?
1: The editor of um, Vogue, not going to know the name, but they are, I just, they're just on everything. So they the British one. Is, is the it theater.
0: Alexander Shulman? Is she still mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Is it Alexander yeah, Shulman? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. She's fantastic,
2: by yeah. the way.
1: Just so knowledgeable.
0: What color
2: is your toothbrush?
1: Pink.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite color? Blue. Ah. If you could have one secret superpower, what would it be?
1: To read people's minds, I think.
0: I love that. Yeah. If Megan Rossi
2: could give her 10-year-old self advice, what would it be?
1: I think break out of the the stigma of being a scientist and get more into public engagement earlier. I think I was always a bit like, oh, no, I'm a scientist. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be, you know, reaching out and translating. But now I realize that actually my most powerful moments is when I can help translate some of the complicated science to the everyday person who wants simple tips that actually work.
2: I think that that is your superpower. I really, you know, we've been following you now. I I literally found you on my own one night late at night. And you do really kind of dummy it down per se, but you really do debunk myths. You really do say an inc- incredible amount of tips that you can actually take away. You guys have to get her book, Love Your Gut. She actually has a new book coming out, December 30th, Eat More, Live Well, Enjoy Your Favorite Food, and Boost Your Gut Health with a Diversity Diet. If you guys happen to be in London, she founded the Gut Health Clinic in 2019. So make sure and check her out and make sure and follow at the Gut Health Doctor. Megan, you're amazing. We love you. This is not going to be our only
0: date. Yeah, we've got lots more. Look at, well, did you mean, see all the I mean, notes I could, we were taking? I Literally, we have so many notes. Like, <laughs> we could ask you and— Lots more questions.
2: Poor Archie but. would be like starving by the time you got off of this like <laughs> five hour seminar.
1: They are getting quite full. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: congratulations. I know it's not easy writing a book. Have you basically are you have two newborns when you're writing a new book and having um, a baby. But we love having you on the podcast. Please come back. And I'm actually going to reach out to you personally because I I need I want you to put me like on a on a on a meal plan. I need I need like a, I need like
0: a gut plan.
1: I'm going to send you the new book because that's exactly what I've got in there. And then I'll make some personal tweaks, obviously. Like thank things. you
0: so much. It was so great meeting you.
1: You and guys. So, it's bedtime there. It's bedtime, it's bedtime there. I know. It's You need so your, late. Your, your
0: seven to 10 hours. <laughs> and thank you
2: guys. She's literally <laughs> just had a baby and she's in London and it's like 12 o'clock at night. Thank you so much. That is a wrap. That was I, awesome. I never want to wrap. I never I, want to I wrap. I, we can go have some um, quinoa now. I know. All right. You guys. Until have a next night. Week, good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. We're going to say good night there. And we're yeah. bye, you guys. Bye, you guys here. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Lipstick on the Rim with Molly Sims and my ride or die, Emisha Gormley. We are so excited to bring you guys along on this journey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Lipstick on the Rim and Molly B. Sims or my website where you can dive just a little bit deeper into my favorite products, trends, and more at mollysims.com. This podcast is a production with Dear Media. Wanted to give a special thanks to my team, Ashley Gasparian, Schaefer Carrillo, Ashley Sanchez, and Michelle Harrison and everyone at Dear Media. Don't forget to listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss out on the fun.